Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Kenny to talk about The Assassin, a 1967 Shaw Brothers movie starring Jimmy Wang Yu and directed by Cheng Che. This movie is about a swordsman of humble origin and tells the story of how he assassinates the Prime Minister of Han. Um, so why don't I give it over to you guys? What, what did you guys think of this film? Um, I enjoyed it. though. it was a really good movie. Um, I, it's quite interesting because you actually not many movies sort of split. Um, you don't really get views into different um, periods in the main character's life like we do with this one. So we start off, you know, we get we get to see him in this sort of training period in his youth, uh, and and we sort of get introduced to his fiery ambition that he's got buried in his heart, um, and we sort of get. Yeah, all sorts of things happen. He ends up being a butcher uh, for a while, and we get to see him sort of like spiral into depression of uh, his languidness. And yeah, and then we, you know, despite all that, we see, we see, you know, we get, we we are told of uh, his uh, filial obligations. You know, he uh, he puts his family first, and you know, he, he values um, those that are close to him. Um, and then, yeah, the scene, you know, we get another time skip there where, you know, he sorted everything out, his mom's dead, his sister's married, and it's like, hey, let's go assassinate someone. <laughs> 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 which, I thought, which I thought was an interesting, you know, sort of journey, I guess, um, for, for, for his history. That gives a nice uh, sort of background for how he ends up where he is. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the personal story of the movie. I thought it was pretty involving. I mean, I you know it's uh, it's I'm like I, said, I haven't seen many of these kinds of movies. It's kind of a new thing to me. But I uh, I, I was I was pretty involved the whole time in the uh, the characters' plot line. It uh, I mean it was nice. You know, you kind of a lot of times you're kind of sick of the uh, the reluctant hero thing in a movie where the character has this reason why they take a long time to get to doing the thing they're going to do. But I thought it was presented well. I was looking after his family, making sure his mother was taken care of, all of that. It it seemed like a real reason for it rather than a contrived reason for me. Said. So uh, it was interesting though because the last movie I saw that was. Uh, uh, in any way in the same genre was the movie Hero. And I found it kind of interesting because there were kind of parallels in places, but it was almost coming from the complete opposite direction as far as the message. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, the, me- the message was different. I-, I did think of Hero when I first saw this movie. Um, uh-huh. You know, the- the definitely at least the, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 the setup to the assassination had some similarities, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I think this is a great movie. It's um you know I used to always say that my favorite uh, Cheng Che film was uh, One Armed Swordsman, and I had spent some time getting my hands on this film and I I hadn't seen it. And then when I finally saw it, like I don't know maybe a couple of years ago or something, I uh, uh maybe not even that long ago actually. And I I, I felt that this uh was 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 even better than One Armed Swordsman. Um, it just feels like a really classic movie to me somehow. Yeah. Yeah, it had a nice sense of scope to it. Yeah, so I actually want to bring up um, so the very beginning of the movie, so the the, the where you get the scrolling sort of credits um, introducing all the characters and stuff. Like, do you guys have any thoughts about that? Because I thought it was uh, quite it, the imagery was quite strong there. You know, um, in a sense, sort of like the whole, we had the old old fashioned like james bond style openings you know that sort of that sort of thing you have the the lone swordsman dressed in white with one hand dripping it with blood um which i, I and yeah i thought that set the tone of the movie quite well um and the color and, choices like the color choice between the font of that text and the sword and everything it was very it was very sharp i mean cheng che i think is is pretty amazing with those introductions that get you keyed up to watch the film and yeah. I think it's one of his better ones. Um, you know, there are a few other movies that kind of stand out like that, but this is one of the ones where you, uh, um, you know, you re- it, it just works visually, and it really helps pave the way for the stuff that's going to come in the movie. Now, um, oh, I, I think I'm getting a little bit of a whistle on somebody's mic. Um, I don't know if... Uh, hmm. Anything? I don't. I don't. I think it might be Adam's mic, actually. Let me let me mute my mic here, and yeah, I'll see, see if that gets rid of it. 
Yeah, that did get rid of it. Um, so I think it was that mic. Do you want to switch to the mic that you're using earlier? With that, I I apologize for the the technical stuff here, but um, I just wanted to make sure that the the sound was uh was. Did that fix the whistle. I, I still hear a little bit, not nearly as much. It sounds better. All right. I think, um, I think we're good. Okay. How about you, Kenny? Um, I still hear it a little bit, but I I think it's fine. Uh, okay. Hopefully, the listeners aren't distracted by it. But... Um. So I'm sorry. So so you wanted. Uh, so we were talking about the 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 intro. Uh, Adam, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, as someone that that hasn't watched many movies in this genre, it really got me involved. I I had a sense of what was going on in the story. I got a, a feeling of you know historically where we were. You know, and I I didn't have any trouble following things at all. So I thought it did a great job. Yeah, and yeah, well, I. I one thing I've noticed was I don't know if it's part in, intentional for um, from uh, Chan Jae here, but so we see the main character dressed in white a lot of the time, and to me, yeah, this is pretty my um, subjective interpretation, but I think that sort of um, symbolizes the purity of the character. Like, it, it, all things considered, like um, Nie Cheng is a very pure character. Like, he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's not ambitious like he wants to do something for the sake of um you know help, helping people like we, we, it's explained like in one of his sort of uh pillow talking scenes i think with um sha ying uh where he's like saying you know oh i have a body i have uh, skills i want to help and do whatever i can and you know and that sort of purity carries him through the movie um but there, there is like one point at the very end where his clothes change color. So he's dressed in red um, yes. for the, the, the for the last fight, and that's you know it, it's sort of like his 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 old white clothes have been stained in blood now. So he sort of washed himself in blood in order to accomplish his goal. And I, I thought that was like just a, just a little interesting um, you know, change in uh, color scheme there. Well, I thought the the red looked majestic when he when he sort of he kind of thrusts his arms out and he's got that red robe on. But yeah. also the the thing I liked about the and I think white too is the symbol of death as well in uh in in Chinese culture. So I think yeah. there might have been that. But one of the things I I, I, I read about uh, in a in a book that talked about this was that uh, I guess him being in white was actually a really big deal. It was um, in terms of just like the the filming of it because. This is like coming right on the heels of black and white. I think that a lot of the Chinese movie companies had switched over to color around this time. And there was this almost like a taboo against having characters wearing all white because they thought that it would reflect too much on the camera or something. And so it was like a bold choice to have him in white the whole, uh, for that long in the movie. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I thought, that, I thought that that white and then the contrast with the blood is quite perfect um and yeah I, I i guess i guess that's the question was it was it meant was it meant as sort of a purity thing or was it meant as sort of a, a death thing i i think purity kind of does make more sense here um given the character yeah there there are occasions so i mean the, the scene where his um his, uh, minister yen his new blood brother sending him off on this mission everybody there is dressed in white and i think that's definitely sort of a, a more of a mourning situation um mm-hmm. more than anything else um you know they're, they're literally, literally sending him off on a death mission here and everybody being dressed in white um yeah, heavily reflects that. But for the rest of the movie, I'm not really. I, I wouldn't say that there was much, you know, on the theme of uh, mortality or or a mourning for, um, on the part on the part of uh, Nia Chung. It was only after that point where it's sort of, you know, his uh, death is written in stone, and uh, uh, and from that point on, you know, the white sort of takes on more of a mournful meaning. And and even then, they have a different piece of white fabric over him right so it's not even the outfit that he was wearing when he was um uh when he was in the final battle it's yeah like a sheet. it's like an actual sheet but um but also the clothing i did like like they, they make a lot of references to the the fact that he's wearing uh trousers and uh and 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 wielding a uh, a steel sword rather than a bronze sword so mm. it's kind of like references to the you know the historical uh, backdrop of this and and an explanation for why he's wearing 
why he's wearing pants, basically, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, you know, movie set in this period. Um, that's actually interesting because I don't actually know much about you know Tata clothing. They were referring to it in the beginning um, about why it's sort of taboo in that era, and um, I don't know. Do either of you know much about? I mean, and I don't know if they I literally do. meant the tar. I, they might. I think it, the, it, the important thing was a you know uh, nomadic horse riders. I think were associated with with wearing trousers. Mm. And I guess less flowing because most most of the um, officials, we, all, all all the people, um, you know, that aren't uh, weren't part of the sword school. They sort of wore robes, didn't they? That were probably less, uh, more cumbersome to move around in, and uh, less efficient for you know, just the uh, you know, jumping around and killing people. I guess. <laughs> yeah, because it was all about the practicality, and 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 it also helped establish that was one of the things that was sort of working against the school when they um when the student, the sort of sneaky student that was, was in love with the same woman as Nia Chung, uh, you know, tried to paint them as rebels. Uh, you know, yeah. because, you know, they, they use, they use seal swords and they, and they, and they dress in pants basically. Um, yeah. that's interesting. It's like, it's, um, I don't know. Was steel really frowned upon? Do you think? I mean, it, it seems like a, they, they were making a real big deal of it. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know for sure the the history of that. I know that, I know that this, I think this was around the time of the transition from from uh, into into steel weapons. So it wouldn't surprise me if you have a conservative state that they might they might be slow to adopt it. But I would I would think steel is something that you tend to you tend to shift too quickly once you see that. how it works yeah. yeah and actually i think so the, the the sword that he inherited from his master um was a steel sword right yeah it was actually and that's supposed to be quite an old sword right because um it was it was wielded by at least two other people i think yeah yeah they, they made allusions to that and actually one thing i did notice was that when he was wielding that sword he did actually cut through many weapons um yeah and the, the bronze weapons being used by uh um, the other soldiers that w- when they were attacking the school, and you know, even uh, towards the end, uh, he manages to cut through the um, prime minister's weapon quite easily with that weapon. So you know, it, it could it could just be um, you know it was a mythically sharp sword, or you know it could just steal a superior, and uh, they had and the, the the rest of the country hadn't caught on to that yet. But uh, but I thought I thought it was it was interesting uh, feature of the film. Uh, and again, I don't know I don't know the the proper history of it. But I think what to me mattered was that it felt like the director was trying to immerse you in this sense of you're in another period, and there are these things that matter in this period that we wouldn't necessarily think of. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I don't uh, I'm not sure. The other thing too was the um, the scene where he cut the butterfly in half. There was a, uh, see, a moth. Was, there was, a, was it a moth or a butterfly? I thought it was a butterfly. Maybe it was a moth. See, I, I saw it was a moth myself. It was, okay, it was a pretty big moth then. It was about. It was about yeah, yeah. That it, it, it was nighttime as well, so I think it's more okay. to be a, a so, moth. So maybe that changes my because I was thinking, oh, butterfly. That's a pretty powerful, uh, you know, uh, creature to 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 cut in half like that for early in terms of its of its meaning. <laughs> but if it's a moth, maybe that changes things drastically. I mean, I, I think even with a moth, it's it's still sort of uh, symbolic. I mean, moths they you know fly into flames and uh, commit suicide, right? And okay, yeah. okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if that's looking too much into it, but at that point he was in a bit of a rut. I mean, he had his elderly mother to look after, his unmarried sister to look after, and he was just uh, you know, just there. And... Well. And also, we're, we're, the one that we all watched for this talk was the one that's on Amazon Prime. Um, but on the DVD that I have, which I didn't watch for this episode, but I remember from the last time I saw it, uh, the when he's talking about how he's like he wants to make use of his body for some greater effort, he 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 keeps referring to like the hot blood flowing in his chest, and and so to me, it's it's something about the character feels like he's just sort of he he's. He, he he he's so filled with this this uh this idea of 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 going out in a blaze of glory that it's 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 just you know he's just bent on that path 
and and the only thing holding him back are his family ties and his attachments but as soon as he uh as soon as as soon as his mother passes away and his sister is married and he says goodbye to his sweetheart he he's off to uh to go die a, a glorious death with the um you know killing the prime minister yeah it did seem almost like he did just have a death wish, wish to a degree i mean it's like you know he's just really you know focused on this particular plan there's no sense of looking for any other way to go about it it's just he just you know <laughs> he's just he's just eager to kind of go for that direction with it yeah i feel like even if he hadn't had met um minister yen and you know and wasn't you know given this mission of assassinating the prime minister he would probably have found a different way um to go out in the blaze of glory yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree with that. I, th I think I mean I think he I think he basically I think his basic problem was he was ambitious, but he was a peasant, and so he really didn't have many paths that mm -hmm. he could take to get to where he wanted to go. And maybe he would have been content to just you know having a more uh, more more of a safe role on the battlefield if he were uh, if he were if he were higher born. But uh, but this I think was the only way for him to really distinguish himself. Uh, Which is interesting, though, because given that this is the the Warring States period, you'd think that you know, joining an army might be sort of the first thing that comes to mind in terms of you know, gaining achievements and making a name for himself. But I sure. think I think he didn't want to be one among many foot soldiers. I think he mm. wanted to be like a, a leader in a leader, you know, like a a more important yeah. person. But it it's, it's interesting, too, because you can contrast with the fact that he, you know, mutilated his face at the end, too, so no one could recognize him, too. So it's like at the same point, he wants to make this big individual achievement, but he's perfectly fine with no one ever knowing it's him. It's uh, You can definitely sort of get a sense that it is for him himself there, rather than, yeah. you know, for, for, for a country or whatever. He wants to do this. It happen, It just so happens that someone's got a mission that needs to be done, and, you know, it, for him, it's like the ultimate place of glory. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know the, 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 his sister and his uh, lover talking at the end about how, you know, even at the end, um, he was still thinking about them, um, you know, really struck me. You know, he, 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 he despite, you know, this hot burning blood in his heart and all of that, you know, and ultimately he's still caring about his loved ones here sure. and he doesn't want um, his actions to bring trouble to them. So, which is, uh, it sort of shows what of sort of an upright, honorable person he is. Mm -hmm. um, well, and I like the way that they, they, they had that revealed to him where he, he shows up, uh, he's, he's dressed as a, uh, I think as a Chi official and and he arrives just as a, a man and his family are being executed and he realizes oh if they catch me they're gonna they're gonna execute my sister and you know and anybody attached to me and so i, I like that they because at first when that when they when they show the first assassination I, you think that, oh they're just showing this so you can see that there's discontent and that you know that the people don't like what this prime minister is doing but then you see oh no they're they're really showing you like this is what awaits anybody who um who who who, who defies him and uh, I, I just thought that was a really uh, nice way of doing it. Well, I'm afraid I have to uh, drop out of the conversation at this point, but uh, it's been good talking about it with you. And uh, I hope I can participate in another one soon. I'm sorry I have to leave so abruptly. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Okay. All right. So we'll, right. Uh, we'll um, marshal on without Adam. Um, yeah. And uh, so I don't know. What, 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 were, what were your thoughts on that scene, Kenny? Um, I'll be honest. It never actually occurred to me that that might have been the trigger for why he then you know, defaced himself. I mean, I, I feel like he, his character was always um, sort of built on the tenets that family is more important than his own desires. Here, and he, he suppressed himself for many years as a butcher, and in, in most sort of cultures, being a butcher is a very uh, low occupations shall we say like it's, it's always sort of the what useless people do right well and there's that scene where he's uh he's surrounded by the pigs and you can just see his uh he just he's just like bursting with 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 dissatisfaction with his situation um, yeah and uh yeah so uh, yeah I, I think i think they do establish that he's uh he's a very dutiful son He's a, uh, you know, he's a, he's a dutiful brother and, you know, he, uh, he, he puts, he puts his, uh, his, his family 
interests ahead of his own. Um, but I don't think he was expecting that if he went and he did this, that they would go after his family until he got there and he saw that this other guy did something similar and they killed his mother and his sister or his sister-in-law. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely uh, a point I didn't consider. And that's, I, I agree with you, I think. I think that's probably what prompted him. I mean, he, you know, he, he was... He was a simple person. He's lowborn, and I guess you know he's not really familiar with intrigues of court and politics, and uh, and you know the whole um, killing your whole and family with uh, nine generations type of thing, right? Um, yeah, and he probably just thought, well, if I do something in the place of glory, then I'll be fine. But yeah, now that you mentioned it, yeah, maybe seeing that execution really did sort of prompt him to plan a bit further, you know, for his own loved ones. Yeah, I, w- I would think so. I also, um, one thing I wanted to, to sort of get into was the, the Minister Yen character. How sincere do you think his connection to Ni Chung was? Was he, was he sincere in, in all of the gratitude that he was showing him and the praise that he was showing him? Or was this purely about his own interest? It's a complicated one because at the point of um, you know where, where they actually meet, he was already um, he was no longer uh, a uh, a member of the court, right? He he would he was fired or he was retired or whatever after his son had uh, had gotten killed in front of him. So uh, it's hard to say whether he. Um, you know, after the movie, did he then you know take this chance to regain power in Han, or um, did he just stay about being his own you know wealthy uh, um, merchant type character, whatever he was it was doing? And I, I think um, I think that uh, what was it the the there was something about that oh the. The fact that there was so much um, formality in everything that he did, like the, uh, you know, it made it very hard for me as a viewer to know where the sincerity lied. Because it's sort of like that scene that we were talking about when he was departing and the, all the women were dressed in white and they start weeping. It was yeah. sort of like, well, are those real tears or is that just sort of, yeah, you know, it, it, he gave off that air. Like, I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I may have been intentional. Like, it, well, when you know, when we, when we had Tupo, um, you know, his uh, fellow sword school member training um, Minister Yen's son, you know, it felt like uh, Minister Yen was truly appreciative of um, Tupo's skills, and yeah, he made a mention of you know making his son feel like a better person with more confidence and all of that. Um, and it felt like it was sincere, and he truly did appreciate talent and courageous men, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, that, and that's the sort of pretext he uses when he's uh, when when he speaks with Nia Chung, and that he he admires him for his loyalty, his skills. Um, but then his next course of action is to try and buy him off his mother. So it, it's sort of like a mild contradiction there which is it's a bit hard to i don't think we have enough um information in the movie to know how sincere uh, minister yen was but this is probably a case of um you know the, the officials willing to take the bait here like he, mm. he, he in so much as the minister was using um Nia Chung for his own ends Nia Chung was using the minister sort of for his own ends here yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it was mutually beneficial. Like, I don't think Nia Chung really was too concerned about uh, whether whether the minister was sincere because he really just had his own ends in mind, anyways. So, um, so, so, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, part of me thinks that there looked to be a certain amount of sincerity, um, but then at that departure scene, that's where I start to wonder: oh, how much of this is just you know him and. And I mean, and, and Minister Yen has every reason to be sincere because he has lost his son and he clearly had some kind of connection with Tupo and Tupo persuaded him uh, to, to seek out Ni Chung. So, um, but just that one scene really had me questioning it. See, that's an, that brings up a very good point. So 
when he first um, meets uh, when he meets uh, Minister Yen again after after you know his family duties have been all been sorted, and um, they get to talking about their plans, and then Minister Yen sort of says, "Wait a while, you know, wait, wait, don't go now," and sort of delays delays his departure, and sort of brings out Lady Chow, the concubine, and all the all these women and wine and good food and stuff. I feel like he was trying to stall uh, near Chung, like maybe make him lose himself in. Um, worldly pleasures to dissuade him from his task like uh, that's you know it, it sort of felt like he was trying yeah it was trying to stop him from accomplishing his mission because he knows at the end of it uh, Nia Chung will be dead and uh, he might actually appreciate him as a blood brother uh, as a sworn brother sort of thing to stop him from dying no and I, I think you might be right that's what I kind of wanted to be the case um, and that's and I and it felt like that's what he was doing but again it, it could have just been a feint um, you know I mean? a double thing. Yeah, yeah, like, like he he know it's sort of like you know when 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 you when you're supposed to you're supposed to you're supposed to uh, you know say no to something three times before you accept it, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but I don't know. I I, I thought that it was. Uh, I just found myself thinking about that, especially this time when I watched it, because uh, that that one scene just really had me quite. As, as soon as I started thinking about the women weeping. And then I looked over at the minister and I'm like, hmm, he's been very formal with everything. He, like how much of this is just formality and not sincerity. But I think you're probably right um, that because he did seem to be really plying him with the worldly pleasures. Obviously, it didn't work, which kind of brings us into the next thing, which is the love story, um, which I thought is one of the more interesting aspects of the movie. And how, you know, the, one of the reasons that he doesn't succumb to all these offers of pleasure is because he has visions of the Jia Ying character, the woman that he's in love with. Yeah. And he, uh, and he, and he basically goes to see her before he goes on his mission. Um, so I'm trying to, I'd like to get your perspective here because I, I, one thing I didn't quite understand was why, you know, seeing why seeing Xia Ying would suddenly steal his resolve to go on a suicide mission. I think, because it was like a loose thread in his life, yeah. And so he just had never really. Because remember, he when he when he fled, he went to go say goodbye to her, and she didn't answer because she was caring for her sick father. And yeah. And so I think it was just he wanted to to resolve that. Um, and I think he also maybe was thinking, if I survive the mission, I want to come back to something. Mm. Um, so you know that that was you know my thought. Uh, but yeah, it does seem like an odd thing to do if you're about to go on a certain a mission of certain doom. To... Well, it, it was quite strange because that, that that scene was you know he was reveling and you know um, servant girls running around his room blindfolded and stuff and <laughs> playing catch or tag or whatever it was they were doing whatever passes for uh, uh, debauchery in those times. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, we're supposed to read into the uh, what they were doing. <laughs> Yeah, that, and, and and you know, it's just suddenly you know he he thinks of his old lover, and um, and that prompted him to want to die. <laughs> so, that's well, a... so I think I think too, um, she like the things that are always holding him from his uh, from achieving his his uh, I don't know what you would call it his his uh, goal. Yeah, like... his goal is his, his glorious goal is. Uh, the women in his life and she's you know the the only other woman left that he just hasn't resolved these things with but but also i think he legitimately is kind of torn between you know throughout the movie between his desire to just go and do what he needs to do and uh and and remaining with Jia ying who you know is entirely sincere towards him um and and also she she i think represents sort of the humble origins that he comes from so mm-hmm. I think there's that too. I think he's trying to go back to his, you know, he's he's sort of in the he's sort of in the the lap of luxury, and then he remembers this sort of sweet girl from his hometown, and he goes to you know basically he goes to see her, and one of the first things she does is reprimand him for for having servants perform music for her because she thinks it's uncomfortable for the servants. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And that actually brings up a very, very interesting point as well. So, you know, he is a person of humble origin, yet towards the end of the movie, he manages to sort of um, pull off the aristocrat 
air to the point where you know a general who's you know always around the prime minister and knows what noble people are like you know it seems to be fooled by his demeanor right and, and yeah that, that sort of struck me as you know was that you know something he sort of learned by mimicking minister yen or you know does he have some sort of like a natural talent for uh, um deception and disguising himself like that i don't know i mean part of me thinks it's kind of like um a little bit of a cheap way to do it. like it's a little it's you, you kind of have to just sort of let the uh, accept accept the premise of it because it's a little it seems that seems like a really hard like i don't i would imagine that that's a really hard thing to pull off if you're if you're a peasant living in the warring states period and you suddenly are trying to act as if you're an official from not just like a highborn person but an official from from chi state uh but on the other hand, they do establish that he's smart. He says he has a brain and a body, and he does spend the time with um, with with Minister Yen. He might have been observant, and and maybe Minister Yen even gave him some instruction. So, mm. you know, I, I still think it would be quite difficult to pull off. But also, it could be that he's got such inner greatness that that's why it's supposed to be working. That he's just radiating this yeah, this, this heroic glow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know, but, but I mean, yeah, cause even, even, um, what is it? General Lupin, uh, is, uh, you know, sort of turns to the guy and is like, Oh, I can tell he's a, you know, he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's definitely an official from Chi state. I can just tell. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, I, I kind of wondered about that. I did like those scenes though. I like when he strolls in and he's sort of trying to be arrogant and, you know, he, he deliberately, you know, refuses the first in room that they offer him and, and takes the, the better one. Um, yeah. I thought stuff like that, you know, really worked. And you well. know, and one 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 part in there was the whole letting the servant take the bags off his horse sort of thing. You know, most you know, in, in sort of Wuxia movies, you always get the you know, the travelers tend to grab their own bags and then yeah, you know, uh, and then their horse gets led away or whatever. But here, it was like he was he was standing around until like the serv- the stable boy, you know, came up. Put the, put the bags in the innkeeper's hands so that the innkeeper could carry his stuff for him, which was a an exceptional uh, air of uh, no, like noble person sort of habit there. I think, which is. But he did just jump right in. I do think you're right. He jumped right into sort of the noble bearing there. Um, yeah. But I and I do think the minister would have had to have had a hand in uh in in that that part of the plot, but but they don't really get into it. So I so I don't know, but um. Yeah, and so you know, back to um, when he reunites with um, Xia Ying. So it's 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 interesting. So we we sort of um, have Xia Ying, who's obviously very reluctant to let him go, but at the same time, like she is sort of supporting his decisions. Like she knows him well and knows that you know, um, she even says it herself that like if she tried to stop him, then he wouldn't forgive her for the rest of his life. Sure as may that that may that may be, or mm. um, it's it's sort of an interesting sort of love story there, in that the, the woman is uh, well subservient and sort of responding to the whims of the man type of thing, which, you know, it uh, probably shows the, bit, the age of the movie a little bit there. Well, uh, well also, well, one thing to consider, too, is Cheng Chet, it was actually, he was actually kind of changing things up when he did that because um, his whole thing was, he I, they, they translate it into different things, but I think I usually see it translated as staunch masculinity. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of resisting what was going on in wushu movies at the time which was you tended to have the female heroine and the male hero and he didn't he just was one of these directors didn't quite buy into that idea yeah so that's why he has the male hero being like this real hardened masculine guy and the females being really uh um uh you know uh, you know just sort of like as you would expect a sort of uh, a female character to be and in a way it's almost i think and again i always say i'm not um I'm not qualified to educate people on this, but just based on what I've been told and what I've read, uh, my understanding is that 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 this was actually something that was a change, not a uh, not a, not. So it wasn't like um, this is an old movie, and because it's an old movie, that's why we get these roles. This was actually a change in the genre that he helped to introduce. Um, that does remind me because I remember you mentioned once that sort of Wuxia movies in the past were directed at females more than anything else in their initial conception, right? 
all I think that. I think for a time, I think there was a period where women were the ones who were going to the theater and watching them. You know, like mm. the, the husband's working during the day. You know, that that was a, a way to be entertained. I think, and so a lot of the movies, again, according to what I've read, uh, put uh, you know had had a plen- plentiful female hero characters because that was the audience. So do, do you think Chang Chi might have had anything in mind? Like, was his specific target audience like the for the female population or a mix? Or I, I I don't know enough to know what the answer to that is. I know that um I mean I I would suspect that his audience was probably largely young men that he was going after, uh, based on the themes and all that. It seems like the sort of thing. There's, there's, a, there's an astonishing amount of uh, naked male nudity uh, if he was targeting the male audience. Well, well, I think that's a whole other discussion. That's a very that's a very complicated discussion. I think. Um, and I and again, that's one I'm totally unqualified to to, to weigh in on. But I, but I think I don't know. I think what he was trying to do, at least in these early movies, is is establish you know the the these masculine male, male heroes and and a lot of times he's contrasted with with a director like king who who kind of went the other way and had stronger female protagonists and there are still movies during this period where you get the the female protagonist but by by the kung fu craze it does it does dry up quite a bit um and and a, a lot of times people will point to cheng che as one of the reasons for that conference as um, well because my understanding is i think he was a critic before he was a director and i think that was one of his sort of pet peeves ah, okay um, so i think it was something that he had been thinking about for a great deal of time and then when he uh so so when he started making these movies uh you know the the you know and you and you see that in golden swallow which we which we talked about before where golden swallow goes from being a you know a very prominent female hero to mm. to having a much smaller role i will say though that there are there are Chang Chan movies with with strong and interesting female characters in them, who and there and there are some that have female heroes. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, you know Brave Archer series has has a number of female heroes in it. Um, so so but it's but yeah I think uh, uh, the the idea the idea of sort of the you know the the whole scene where he's like got no shirt on and stuff like that. I think they're trying to they're trying to convey the. Um, it's kind of it's not that different from what Bruce Lee did in the early seventies, right? Like Bruce Lee was always like going around without his shirt on, you know, flexing his muscles. I think there's even a scene in one movie where he looks in front of a mirror and he's, and he's gazing at himself. Um, you know, it's it's, it's 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 meant to highlight the um, you know the power of the character. I think not. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily meant as a as a sexual thing, um, but again, I think that's a that's a I think it's a whole other topic of discussion. Yeah, maybe it's just um, a, a Wang Yu thing where he just like you know as part of his contract he likes to be topless for seven percent. <laughs> He's like Brad Pitt. Yeah, <laughs> he has to appear topless at least three times in every movie or something. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, I think it would be interesting to, to to look into that and see what we can find. Um, I know it's some. It's there's a there's a bi- an autobiography that Cheng Che wrote that I've been trying to get my hands on because I guess he 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 addresses that question. Um, cause a lot of people call his movies homoerotic for that reason. And I think he, he addresses it specifically, but I don't know what he says. Um, um be interesting to actually find out what his, what his own actual thoughts on that were, rather than trying to dissect his films and work it out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, uh, I, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Um, but, but it's a, it's a very difficult book to get your hands on. I think you actually have to get it through a, there's like a, there's like a, there's some institution in China that that sells the book and I, I haven't figured out how to use their sales page so i haven't uh-huh. been able to get it and i'm not 100 percent sure it would be in english either so let's see uh but but i guess that's a call if anybody has that book and knows the answer contact us and let us know um yeah definitely be interesting to see what he has to say there but um but yeah, so so I don't know what 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 where we we kind of got uh, off the subject. I think what were we talking about before we? Uh, I think uh, it's sort of, sort of the the romance aspect oh, of the yeah. movie there and the interactions with um, Nia Chung's uh, interactions with Sha Ying. But yeah, I think I think she like a lot of the sort of female characters in in his movies. She's sort of the force, kind of restraining him mm. from uh, from you know sort of achieving his full potential as a, as a martial hero, I guess. Yeah. Uh, 
but I, I, I don't know. I, th- I thought that the, I thought that, that the, the love story was, was, was a big part of the movie. They sp- I mean, there's at least like two or three scenes early in the film where it's just him and her talking. Uh, there's not an awful lot of fighting early on. I mean, there's a couple of scenes, but it's not like, you know, the five deadly venoms or something where it's just, oh, I, I think overall in this movie, there weren't that many fight scenes we had. So, um, from memory, we had the, uh, major fight scene at the beginning where, where the school was being ransacked by the, uh, um, the jealous, um, student, yep. the noble student. Uh, and then, there was the there's the fight scene in Minister Yen's uh, residence where his son and uh, Tupo, the uh, Nye Cheng's friend, were both killed. Um, there was a brief fight scene, I think, where, where, while uh, Nye Cheng was still a butcher with some guards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, other than that, I think the only actual fight scenes were towards the end where he goes for his assassination. So that's like a handful, literally... Uh, you can count the number of scenes on one hand where there were you know, choreographed fight scenes there. Yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a lot compared to his later movies. Um, and I think uh, I think you know it can be for some people it might be slow as a result if you're used to the sort of you know the cascade of fights. Um, but I thought it worked. I thought that it it uh, it gave the the story time to breathe. You get to get interested in the characters. Uh, you know the 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 love story i think i think you're 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 invested in it when when he reun, reunites with jaying uh you kind of want them to have a happily ever after type situation so uh and and also the other characters like the sisters are really important character and in, in her final moment in the film wouldn't have any meaning if she only got like a few seconds of screen time so oh, definitely and yeah i i, I think yeah that the dialogue here is very important. So, you know, there is a lot of, um, you learn a lot about the characters and the way they talk to each other. And, you know, you have, uh, you know, sort of confiding his, uh, hopes and dreams to his lover, but to sort of display his level of trust in her. And you have her sort of trying to dissuade him, um, you know, why can't we just live a simple life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he actually has an answer for that to, to her at the, towards the end when, when, with his final, when, during his final scene with her, where he says like, Oh, I could grow old. I could, I might turn out an alcoholic, like your father and then pass away or whatever it was right and, and he was going down that road for sure uh, yeah yeah and it's a, a, a interesting point with the sister so i actually didn't think you know until the very end uh, i didn't think that she was that important of a character there i mean she in the early sort of movies didn't really serve any purpose other than you know you sort of know she exists mm-hmm. and and the fact that she is uh, one of the reasons why he just doesn't you know throw caution to the wind and go go, go for his glory as it were you know and, and you could just sort of appreciate at the end like you know the, the family bond there like she knows her brother and she knows that her brother wanted to go out in a blaze of glory and recognizing the fact that you know he he rather die nameless in order to protect his loved ones and you know going in front of the crowd of people and declaring her brother's name before killing herself was you know a, a very powerful act of sort of love and realization that you know there's the her brother has accomplished something great for the people and and she wanted people to know that her brother's sacrifice was not in vain sort of thing yeah, I think the scene where you see her uh, sewing, I think it was a funeral. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the sackcloth type yeah. thing. Yeah. And and she's just very determined. And uh, and you can tell that Jia Ying doesn't quite understand what she has in mind, but you know it's something significant. And, and also the fact that this that his sister is, 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 is the mother's daughter. I mean, the, the mother was a very similar type of woman. And, and so in that she... That she had this sort of strength to her that mm. was even able to like that 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 Han official that shows up with all the gold. She's able to rebuke him and he's kind of ashamed um, because she's, you know, just this sort of uh, I don't know what you would call it, but like a, a, a very sort of upright uh, she, yeah, she 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 was a very righteous person sort of thing and uh, a principled person I guess is what I, what I described them as they have their own self principles and they will abide by it I mean the mother just wanted to see you know, her, her son alive and well 
Um, the sister, towards the end, just wanted um, her brother's sacrifice to not be in vain and to not pass away as a, a, as a nameless um, assassin. Mm. Um, and yeah, and uh, it's, you, you make a good point on how yeah she, um, the mother manages to cow the uh, the minister into sort of uh, into you know admitting his fault there. I mean it's. Uh, Perhaps it never really occurred to the minister that she was asking a mother to uh, sell her son's life, basically, mm-hmm. for a box of gold. Well, yeah, I feel like the mother kind of sees everything on a much, like, she kind of gets a sense of what's really going on through all of this. And uh, and so, you know, that's, and, and, and again, that's one of the reasons why you kind of question, you know, you know, the sincerity of the minister uh, because of the, you know, not just the, the the formality of the goodbye scene but the fact that but both the sister and the mother are kind of questioning um the uh you know not 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 necessarily saying that the minister's a bad guy but just by the fact that he has this kind of position and this power and this wealth and that he can uh you know he can easily persuade ni chung to to go kill himself um you know, it, it, I don't know. It just it, it it just adds another layer to the movie for me. Um, See, that, that, that's actually a good point. So, what the first meeting? I was actually expecting him to the minister to bring up the his friend's death to sort of sway him. But it's kind of interesting that he sort of kept that um, a secret for or hidden for a while. And I don't quite remember when he revealed it. Was it? Um, it's when Ni Chung shows up. At his residence, I believe. And yeah, yeah. So, so and the, when, they, says, when they reunite, and yeah. then he tells him. Now, what did you think about that? What was your thoughts on why he withheld it? I mean, I, I to me, that's probably a sign of his sincerity more than anything else. Like he, uh, if he wanted to sort of incite him or you know rope him over um, the first time he met him, you know, bring bringing up the fact that you know his friend was murdered by the um, by the prime minister would probably be enough to rile him up to you know to spur him into action and uh, and you know leave his mother and his sister or whatever so uh, that the fact that he sort of had kept that to himself um sort of knowing his reaction there to me was a sign of his sincerity and in, in that you know he didn't want to um bring drag him into a mess unless he could you know unless it was the last option basically yeah I think I know. I think you're right about that. I think that's a very good point um, because it definitely is something. If he had mentioned it early on, he could he probably could have got him to, to act right away, or at least you know, um, you know, secure secured some kind of promise. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right about that. Um, now the other thing too that we haven't really got into, we got into a little bit, but the but the battle at the end, which is kind of one of the things the movie is famous for. Um, yeah. You know, it's obviously it's a little reminiscent of Golden Swallow and the the way that that ends. Um, but I thought this is even even though there's not quite as like Golden Swallow gets a little bit crazy with the amount of things that that impale Jimmy Wayne Yu's body. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a little more subtle, but more gruesome because he cuts out his own stomach and he slices off his own face and he gouge. I think he's supposed to gouge out his eyes too. Yeah. Um, and uh, and when he gouges out his eyes, everything goes black, and you just see the the stream of blood across the uh, across the the black surface, and it brings you right back to that opening that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on the uh, on the final scene. No, I, I thought that was a very good way to sort of end to show his demise, and that you know the 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 whole lights turning off as he blinds himself thing is a very powerful thing like he, you know he is not immediately dying but you know he's sort of uh um he, you see him sort of his lingering moment after he's blinded himself um and i think that's uh yeah, it definitely ties into the beginning sort of thing where you know he 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 was you know dressed in pure white robes and only had one hand that was bloody, whereas here he is covered in blood stains. Most of it, you know, but inflicted by himself. To be honest, mm-hmm. I don't think he actually sustained any injuries throughout that final fight scene at all. It was hard to tell because he had dabs of blood on him, and it was yeah. a little difficult to know if those cuts or are those just splots of blood that 
from other people that he was stabbing. Mm. Um, so I, I was, yeah, it's a little hard to say, but he definitely, I mean, he definitely cuts open his own stomach and then starts, you know, yanking out. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's not as graphic as it might be today. If they did it, I think they restrained themselves a little bit. There's no like, you know, there's no like pork sausage coming out of the, out of the belly or anything like that. But the, but the people say he's pulling his guts out. So you're supposed to, um, but also, he starts turning ashen white when that, like, his lips turn white. He's like, you can tell. Oh, he, 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 can, he goes blue. I think yeah. they did some makeup there. So his face has, like, a blue um, pallet to it. So, yeah, his blood loss is significant. <laughs> um, uh, this is his final moment, sort of thing. And, I, it's, and, and the way the soldiers sort of surround him and, you know, don't finish him off, sort of, uh, it's a testimony to his skills and, and and how he's cowed them like he's killed the prime minister injured the uh, king um killed general lupin i think towards the end there right i think as he stabs himself the general sort of rushes towards him to try and like stop him from finishing himself off and i think uh, as as a sort of a um or i say sneak attack but as a, in a, in a surprise attack sort of way he manages to finish, finish kill the um the the general so all that's really right. left yeah all, all right. that's really left behind at that point are the the, the normal foot soldiers who you know they, they, they've seen this person kill um you know two two prominent figures in in the yeah in the han um empire here and they you know they're, they're probably admiring him for his audacity as well you know he he's killed all these people um not taking any damage other than what's what he's done to himself and now he's sort of like stabbing himself in the stomach and ripping his guts out and i i think yeah all the soldiers are most definitely intimidated by his very like sort of awing presence there well and also it's interesting that this is a fight where they have to stop him from killing himself like that's that's you know they're, they're fight like there's a point in the fight where they're where they're trading blows with him in order to prevent him from killing himself, which I find just kind of an interesting little twist on. Uh, on... Yeah, I, I I think maybe what the war was going through in their minds would, would have been you know capture him alive so that we can see whose plot it was and. Uh... Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I it's just it's just an interesting dilemma, uh, and a and a sort of you know like just the the idea that he's 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 still fending them off um but uh but also i think he pulls out like a blue a blue strand that was that given to him by Ja Ying? yeah yeah that that was the sort of um waist sort of belt thing that mm-hmm. um Shai-Yin gave him at the beginning of the movie and it's got like a pair of birds on it mandarin ducks or something i don't know what they were but yeah sort of lovebird type things it's symbolic of of their relationship there and yeah he, he sort of um it it pulls it out and looks long in the air one last time before he sort of starts yanking his guts out and uh... <laughs> and yeah and then and then the sister you know comes and claims him and I mean we've already spoiled everything so it's an old movie so we can talk about what happens but the sister the sister commits suicide after saying that it's uh, her brother and giving his name and explaining things and. Uh, uh, and interestingly, I get you know this this stuff is all sort of in the um, uh, the records of the historian, and in in that apparently the account is she died of grief, not stabbing herself. But uh, but I thought it was interesting that most of this stuff is is in the records of the historian. Um, mm. But the last character that we see is um, is is Zha Ying. Yeah. Um, and, so we have, we have a. Uh sort of um reminiscing i guess at the, at the flower bush where um was that the, uh, that was where he sort of plucked the white flower for her before he left on his mission right i think so but some of the sets can be so uh interchangeable at times that it's it's yeah. difficult to know but i think it's supposed to be that yeah yeah and, and yeah we we actually have um so the, the the last bit of imagery there is that all the flowers start blooming you get all these different colored things and then you know the white flower is the most prominent one there you know like and you know we've mentioned already that his outfit of choice throughout the whole movie was uh white mm. um so and, i think it's important to mention he was wearing black at the beginning of the movie he had a black um oh yeah as, as when, when he was still training mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that that flower definitely represents him. I would think, and I don't know. And I thought maybe, she's pregnant yeah, she's well. yeah, she's pregnant. And so I was thinking maybe the flower represents the 
the the thought that you know his child is going to live on um so yeah that was a and again you know they only had one night together so uh you know it, it, is... it felt like it was slightly longer than that so we, we had a scene where they were inside the house and then we had a scene where they were rolling around in the grass where they used to be and then another I mean, scene back in the house again so i guess you're right maybe it wasn't just one evening it could that could have been that could have been one to 20 evenings i guess i don't really know <laughs> a, a so, number of evenings i guess yeah. yeah so so yeah you're probably right there you're probably right it probably was an extended period of time that he was with her. for some reason i thought it was the next day but but I, I, mean, I it's it's more ro- sort of um, abrupt and romantic if it's just like one night there last night together and yeah. she conceives a child but uh but yeah and she you know she she let she let him go and uh but yeah i thought i thought that the the i just thought it was interesting that she's the last character that we see rather than like a lot of these movies you'll see his his body would be the last thing you see or yeah yeah because yeah. I, I was actually expecting the movie to sort of end the, the moment um you know he 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 cuts his own eyes and i in, in you know from what i would expect of chan chay movies that would be where the movie sort of ends mm. um but you know this one i guess because it's one of his earlier movies right so he, he put and it's more story driven here rather than the, the the blaze of glory just the blaze of glory thing he tied up a loose end with the the lover and the sister and you know and, and then the sister's suicide is also very important here because we actually we, we we learned why he was defacing himself and you know gouging out his own eyes and yeah her suicide in order to bring his uh the brother's name to uh well fame or infamy depending on which side you're on i guess um was also a very important aspect of their relationship there i think yeah no i I would agree with that um and i I think uh that uh you know like you said this is an earlier movie and i think i think there is more story here i i'm a fan of the later chang che and the early ones as well i think they both sort of do different things but these ones they do kind of feel more like i kind of call them like golden age of movies type feel they have that sort of um you know that uh just everything feels kind of uh i don't know big productiony you know you know you kind of get a little bit of everything you get the romance you get the melodrama you get all these different things woven in um and uh i i, I the, these early movies of his i think really do shine i think this one especially looks good too the cinematography on this one is incredible and yeah. the just like like you said that opening sequence just just something as simple as the the the, so the color selection of the of the title cards and the images behind it is 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 visually stunning so um you know the rest of the movie is is quite similar in that respect in fact there's a scene where the han men are marching out of the fortress and it kind of reminded me of that scene in Spartacus where you have the roman soldiers marching right. in the background it was that yeah. kind of a kind of a scene um but yeah so we've been going on for like an hour though so i think we should probably probably end it there uh yeah. we have to apologize for some of the technical difficulties um skype's been a little bit unusual when we record these on skype uh so hopefully we'll have those under control next time but uh so next time i'm, I'm gonna be on i think on friday with uh, lady chow fung to talk about the magnificent bodyguards and then We'll probably be back on uh, as well with another movie. And um, until then, we'll talk to you later.